chance to catch up. In the meantime, um, <clears throat> we apologize for being late going live. We had some in-house uh, things that we needed to take care of tonight. Uh, but welcome to Disciples House. And um, we've got a couple of things we need to pray for tonight. Um, uh, Chris Coker, who was our contractor um, for our renovation, is having hip surgery tomorrow. Um, and it's a pretty, it's a pretty, care, pretty critical hip surgery that they're doing. Um, there seems to be some uh, circulatory issues and some dead tissue issues. Uh, so we need, so we're gonna, so really what he needs is he needs a miracle. He needs a miracle in his hips. Uh, they're gonna do one hip tomorrow, and without a miracle, they're gonna end up having to do the second hip later. Uh, so he needs a miracle healing in his hips. Um, and his, his wife works for Kathy, uh, and he's, he, I mean, every time he was here, we witnessed to him. And, uh, so we believe that God can do a heal, a miracle healing with them. So we'll pray for Chris. And then was there somebody else we were supposed to pray for? Oh, Kathy is traveling this weekend. Uh, and of course she's traveling. She's actually going to a memorial service for a cousin of hers. So traveling mercies for her, her mom and her brother and all those traveling to the funeral. And then of course the Curtises are out of town tonight. They're traveling back home Friday or Saturday. Oh, they're traveling tomorrow. So yeah, so they're. I was gonna say they can't travel home on Saturday. Not if Bridget's gonna get yeah, baptized. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so they're, they've got a lot of back and forth. And then Mari's procedure is also coming up uh, for his ablation. So that's actually uh, I think next week as well right. on Tuesday. Right. So uh, yeah. we'll just go ahead. And yeah, pray they, for they can't travel on Saturday. They get they got to be the at baptism. the baptism on Saturday. Right. Yes. All right. You pray because I'm croaky. I hear that. <laughs> All right. Well, Lord, uh, thank you for being here with us. Uh, we lay hands on Robbie's Thanks. throat. <laughs> I don't think that's fair. Right? We ask that you heal her throat and that you, that you soothe her voice thank so you, that Lord. she may be able to preach your word in Jesus' thank you, name. Thank you Lord, we, we just thank know that, that your healing power is at work in her throat and in her body and in her sinuses right now in Jesus' name. Thank that you, that, that thank we you, command the, the cells to... to uh, the swelling to go down and yes. and the soreness to go away and the pain to recede in Jesus' yes. mighty thank name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. All right. Thank you, Lord, Father. we ask that you give us the words that need to be spoken for tonight, the words that are just right for here and now, for the for those that are here that come expecting to hear the word and and to uh, uh, to have revelation of the book of revelations. Yes. And Lord, we ask that uh, that that. Uh, that you bless those that are listening online as well, that they hear the words that need to be spoken, the words that are just right, and that will help them to understand better and to come closer to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You could not come to steal, kill, and destroy, and you will do no evil here in Jesus' name. Thank Amen. you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's do our confession. Hey, Mom, mute me through the confession. <laughs> just let you do the Oh, do, let me do that? Okay. All right. Everybody ready? All right. This is my Bible. It is always true in the final authority. My Bible is God talking to me. I read this word daily. I meditate on this word day and night. 
This word is rooted and grounded in my heart. This word feeds and grows my spirit. Therefore, my flesh does not control me. I walk according to the spirit. I am a child of God. I have the mind of Christ. God's thoughts are my thoughts. God's words are my words. God's actions are my actions. I am a doer of the word. Praise God. Yep. Well, we we got through ten last week. Oh. That demon is manifesting. Um, and so just like that occurs in this day, because demons will have full reign in that day, they will manifest that much more. Not everybody will see them all the time, uh, but they will be seen uh, to some degree. Um, and some people will think just like um, just like in... Uh, Holy Ghost, bring my thought back to me. What I say, y'all? Anyways, demons will manifest in that day, just like they do in this day. And uh, so we, so I didn't want to negate that out of chapter nine, um, because demons will have full reign, full flow. Um, they won't be, you know, just running people over, but. Um, Oh, that's what I was going to say. Just like today, people have demons that manifest, and they call them ghosts, and they say, these ghosts are my friends. 
that will happen in that day as well. Sometimes you need to go vanquish that, that out of the, in the name of Jesus. Sometimes Jesus. it's just that. But the first time I saw a demon, I was like three or four years old. Right? So, you can relate. You can say I can relate. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, 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 was, I was with a babysitter. And and I saw something underneath underneath the uh, TV bureau uh, up at the front of the living room. We were sitting on the couch, and I'm like, "What is that?" And and my babysitter started screaming, and uh, she 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 saw a snake. I didn't see that. Yeah, I I saw a skeleton, and it was moving. We got out of the house, and she called the fire department and mom and dad and. They came and they searched and they didn't find anything. Yeah. Nothing. Not even a snake. Yeah. And these things. And and, now, and then it, it wasn't long. It wasn't that long after that that my I was still seeing demons, still bothering me in, in my room at night, and uh, my my grandmother got me saved. She told me about Jesus and how he would protect me from the monsters and stuff. You know, because that's all I knew them knew that they were. I didn't know what they were. Now I know, but back then I didn't know. I had no clue. But she she told me that Jesus would protect me, and I was like, okay, let's go. I'm I'm all for this, and I got saved. And I have never. Been... Oh, but you have to tell the funny part of that story. Oh. You have to tell okay. the funny part of that story. So she also told me about the cross and how that's the symbol of Jesus, and that that with the cross because we had a cross hanging in she in 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 the hallway there, and and she was telling me about it, and and. Uh, and and how it uh, how it it was protection against the monsters and stuff. And I was like, okay. So I had I had this invisible ink pen because I knew I I was drawing I was drawing invisible ink crosses on on every on every wall in the house, and because I knew I couldn't draw on on the walls in the house because I'd get in trouble, right? So I'm drawing invisible, but these are glow in the dark invisible ink. <laughs> so, so when the lights went out, mom and dad were in for a surprise. Oh yeah, and I, I that, yep, it, it, I about got the devil beat out of me there, but yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, all three names, absolutely. Yeah. But but the the point is that I, I never really after that after I got saved and after that I never really was bothered by monsters at all ever again, and no. I never felt uh, I never felt abandoned by God even when I wasn't following him like I should, even, I always knew that he was there for me, and I always, and, and that he loved me, and that he would protect me. Yeah. Uh, I never had a doubt ever in my life. Yeah, yeah. so just like familiar spirits operate today, and some people, the familiar spirits, uh, reveal themselves to people today, that'll happen in those seven years, abundantly, abundantly. And uh, people are fascinated by ghosts, except for they're not ghosts, they're familiar spirits, they're demons. Pretending to be family members. <laughs> Pretty scary. Anyways. And so I'm not saying that every time a child sees a monster under oh, the bed no. that it's a demon. But for but for me it for me it for me it was. Yeah. So any I mean anytime you're dealing with children and they and they say, I'm scared or that's scary or there's a demon, um, take authority over that in the name of Jesus. Anyways, so we we made it to I wanted to make and, that side. And let note. the child see that. Yeah, because that they're going to learn a lot from that. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, 
I used to babysit. And uh, Halloween, you know, you drive up to convenience stores, and they got uh, all that Halloween junk all over the windshield, all over their store windows and everything. And I had one little girl I was babysitting, and I drove up to the store, and she went, scary, scary. Oh, that's scary. And I said, nah, honey. We say, in the name of Jesus, go. And, she's, and she learned, in the name of Jesus, go. And she said, not scary anymore. Okay. You can teach them. Children are teachable. So just wanted to let you know, in, um, in those seven years, amongst everything else that's going on, there's going to be a lot of demonic manifestations, a lot of them. All right. So we finished with that particular vision. I want to pick up right here in chapter 10, verse 11, so that we can see where we're picking up here. Chapter 10, verse oh, 11. The last verse in chapter 10. Okay. Right. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. So basically what, what, the prophet, what was happening is uh, the angel that was speaking to him there in heaven giving, that was uh, showing John all of these things closed out that vision with the eat the little book and it was sweet as honey but turns bitter in his belly. He closed that vision, and then he said, okay, now here's another vision. Now, the prior visions that we read, when we read chapter uh, 9 and chapter 10, that was dealing with everything that was going to be happening worldwide. Everybody worldwide was going to be dealing with, with everything that we studied, and we don't have time to review it. You have to go back and listen. Now, what this prophecy is about is this is what's going to be happening in Jerusalem and in Israel at the same time that those other events are going on. And we'll read just a little bit, and I'll show you how we can know that. All right. All right, so chapter, chapter 11, 11, verse 1. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God. And the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court, which was without the temple, leave out, and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. Okay. So, where is the temple of God? It's in Jerusalem. Remember we saw in the book of Daniel that, um, that, they would, that there would be a rebuilding of the temple? Um, and that's part of um, that's part of what happens is uh, in the seven years is and this is how um, Satan and his cohorts deceive so many people is they rebuild the temple there in Jerusalem. There's plans right now. Things are getting in place right now that the temple is going to get the the temple um, the temple mount is going to get rebuilt. There's, the land is uh, changing ownership uh, where the Jews have never been, on the, been allowed on the land. And here's where, um, where the temple of God, where they want the temple of God to be, is the same place that the temple of God was. And it's also uh, the same place that uh, they believe Jesus was um, crucified. crucified. So this is so the Temple Mount is where the old covenant temple was, and it's also the same place that Jesus was crucified. And since that day, uh, the Palestinians, 
the Muslims. And the Muslims have owned that land. And they built a temple of their own there. Correct. So uh, so this is a big deal um, that the temple gets remeasured, gets rebuilt there. That's one of the signs of the times. I have ten copies of Reverend Joe Morris's book coming. It's in the mail, uh, and it's called um, End Times. Uh, and, and basically uh, what his book is all about, it's not so much about the book of Revelations as much as it is he goes through and he lists all of the prophecies that must be fulfilled. And how many of them already have been fulfilled. Right, he, right. and what prophecies must be fulfilled before we go into the tribulation and how many of them are already fulfilled, how many of them are lining up to be fulfilled. And then on his website, he does a weekly update to his book. So that book is on its way. And, and a lot of people... Uh, End Times Made Easy, that's what the name is. And, and a lot of people say if the Muslims already have their own temple, or what do they call their temples? The mosques. The mosque. If they have a mosque there, how are they going to rebuild the temple of Israel? Uh, but what the, what the archaeologists are now finding out is that is that the temple was... The mosque is actually like next door yes. to where the, 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 temple, the, where the temple is going to be built. Right. So, so, and they're finding, they're finding the founda foundations of the original temple and, and that it's actually, so they'll be like right side by side, but they'll, but they'll be able yeah. and I, talk about coexisting. Yeah. So, so this is all, it's all, everything is teeming together, but I want you to notice he said, he said, rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and them that worship therein. In other words, he told John, he said, go take a census of the Jews. Go count the Jews that, that, that would worship in the temple. So he's not talking about um, believers. He's not talking about New Testament believers. He's talking about Jews. And the court, which, was, which is without the temple, notice he said, leave that out. In other words, don't worry about what's outside of the temple. Cause, and it says, for it is given to the Gentiles, right. which would be us, and the unbelievers. Right. He said, he said, don't, he said, he said leave it out. Don't measure it. Uh, why? Because that's the rest of the world. So this tells us that this chapter is talking strictly to Jews. And this is what's going to happen in Israel, this is what's going to happen in Jerusalem. They are actually going to have a worse seven-year tribulation than the rest of the world. It'll actually be worse for them than it will be for the rest of the world. All right, let's read on. All right, so verse 3, or do you want to do 2 again? Well, we didn't finish 2 because there's an important point there. Okay, uh, so all right, I'll do 2 again. But the court which is without the temple, leave out, and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city shall they tread under forty or, or underfoot forty and two months. Forty and two months. Forty-two months is three and a half years. So for three and a half years, uh, the Gentiles, he's letting them know, the Gentiles are going to tread Jerusalem, basically non-believers, are going to tread Jerusalem underfoot for three and a half years. Uh, in other words, they're going to they're gonna just run over it. Now, 
is this 42 months at the beginning or the end? It doesn't specify right here. But here's what we do know. We do know that part of how uh, the, how Satan is going to deceive many and how he's going to get the temple built is he's going to bring peace to Israel. He's going to bring uh, peace to Jerusalem um, so that he can get the temple built. And it's going to be, oh, yay, and it's going to be all wonderful, and oh, this is the man. This is our Messiah. He's rebuilding our temple. And he'll have that for three and a half years. And then at three and a half years, Satan incarnate, in other words, Satan will fully possess a human body, and he will come in, and he will absolutely demolish. He will come against Israel, the nations of the uh, the, the four nations will come against Israel, and there will be a big war. Well, Pastor, you taught us back there in the early chapters, in earlier chapters, that people cannot die according to what we see in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52 to the end of the chapter. I understand that. Uh, let me talk to you. Let me tell you about the Taco Bell angels for a minute. Take a little, take a little side Taco journey. Taco Bell? To, I want to talk to them about the Taco Bell angels. Reverend Ed Dufresne, when he was alive on the earth, he was looking to obtain some property that uh, was owned by the Taco Bell Corporation uh, for his ministry. I remember now. And uh, he was, and it, uh, <laughs> he was, some, some things happened, some things happened, the money was due that week. Some things happened that were blocking the money uh, through some investments and different things. And he was down, to, and he was like, I'm not going to have the money. Like, I'm going to, like, in a week, or it was a week or two weeks, I don't remember which, he had to have this money. So he locked himself, I believe, in his office. Might have been his bedroom in his house. Uh, but he, he locked himself in a room and was seeking God. Why is this money not coming? You told me to buy this property, and I don't have the money. And so he was praying and fasting, and all of a sudden, two large angels appeared in his office. He said they were very large angels, and he said this. He said they were wearing armor. They were dressed for battle. They were wearing armor, and he took special note that they actually had dents in their armor, like they had been fighting hard. And they actually had dents in their armor. Um, and they came and they stood. Now hold on to that point, because that's where I want to get back to, but I don't want to leave you hanging. So they stood. So he, he, looked, he turned to them and, and addressed them, like, like, yes. And they said, we're here to go fetch your money. And he said, wonderful, that's great. And he stood there. And they stood there. And he stood there. And they stood there. And he stared at them. And they stared at him. And this went on for about five or ten minutes. And he's sitting there going, why aren't they going? Why are they just staring at me? What is going on? And so finally he looked at them and said, what are you waiting for? And they said, the faith command. The angels only respond to the word of God. And so he stood there and he thought, 
the faith command, the faith command, the faith command. Oh, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And he no sooner got that scripture out of his mouth that the angels took off. They went out the door. They went out the window of his office. And like two days later, the money came in and he bought what he what he called the Taco Bell property. But what I wanted you to notice is the angels had armor dressed for, for battle. And they had dents in it. And what that, what um, Dufresne said was the best he could figure is they were literally having to fight Satan to get his money to him. Because Satan's the god of this world, and he was the one holding the money back. So you can be an eternal being and, and going and, and going to live forever, and yet be in a war so what are they worrying for in revelations they're worrying for the earth they're worrying for the ownership of god's promised land and his people and his people that's what the war is about and that's what the war is and so when it says that that many this x number were slain if they truly can't die like we've digested from the bible then what they're warring for is their eternal death. How much you know? If you've got, if you if you're in a war type situation and it looks so glim, uh, your faith in God is going to be challenged. Your faith in God is going to be challenged. So they're warring after the earth. They're warring after uh, God's children, God's people, and that's what this war is about. All right. So now. And, and, and apparently the Gentiles, the last three and a half years, we know this, and I didn't see this until we just read this. The last three and a half years, Satan, remember a Gentile in the book of Revelations, means those outside of God's covenant. So Satan and all of those outside of God's covenant are going to tread Israel, Jerusalem, underfoot. In other words, they're going to rule and reign and just pummel Israel and Jerusalem like it's, they're, they're basically going to cause devastation, extreme devastation for three and a half years. Then he goes back and he gives us some details. All right. So, verse 3, and I will give power unto the two witnesses. Uh, yeah, okay. I will give power unto the two witnesses, and they shall prophesy... A thousand two hundred and three score days. That's one thousand two hundred and sixty days. If you take one thousand two hundred and sixty days and you divide it by three hundred and sixty, our year, our our Gentile calendar or our Roman calendar, right, uh, is three hundred and sixty-five days. But the Jewish calendar is three hundred and sixty days. So if you take one thousand two hundred and sixty and divide it by 360, it comes out to 3.5 years. Exactly. 3.5 years. So these two witnesses are going to be in Jerusalem. Um, now, I want you to notice, he said, I will give, and that word power is italicized. They put it in there to help us understand it. But that word give, in the Greek language, when you add certain uh, 
consonances to a word, it changes the meaning of the word. Really, a better translation here would be, I will supply unto my two witnesses, or I will furnish my two witnesses, would be, be would be a better translation. All right. So, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And that's the big G God, not the little G right. God. And, and this goes back to um, Zechariah chapter 4. When Zechariah prophesied, he prophesied that in the holy city there would be um, an olive tree and a candlestick. And so that's what this is. So he's telling us that that prophecy, so John's telling us, that that prophecy in Zechariah will be fulfilled in the seven years of tribulation. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devour their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. Remember, that's three and a half years. And have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Okay, now it gets a little wonky in chapter 8. Not going to lie, chapter 8 gets a little wonky. I mean, chapter 12, 11. This, <laughs> this chapter gets a little wonky. Again, we have to remember the book of Revelations is a prophecy. And we are not going to know and understand everything fully and completely until it takes place. Be just like in the Old Testament, there were a lot of prophecies about Jesus. And the Jews and the Gentiles of that day looked at those prophets like, Dude, you're crazy. But as Jesus came, we can now look back and go, oh, God was so, man, that's so clear. How did they not get it? Uh, it's because the Bible is progressive. But here's what we can tell you about these two Gentiles. We can tell you about these two witnesses. They were prophets. He said, first of all, look at verse 3. He said, I will give uh, or I will furnish unto my two witnesses. He didn't say he would send them. Many theologians believe, uh, Michael, we read, he read a thing on this today, and, he, and the book that we, the, the thing that we read gave us, I guess, eight or nine different things that there are that, people that they believe that these two yeah, witnesses would yeah. be. He was like, some theologians believe this, some theologians believe this, some believe this. One was this. Moses and Elijah. Yeah. One was, yeah, there's all kinds of. Most of them believe that one of these two prophets is Elijah because it's prophesied in the book of Malachi that, um, that Elijah would, would come back. Before, before, uh, the, before the second coming of Jesus. Right, before the, before the return of Christ. Or actually before, before the Messiah. Elijah would come back before the Messiah appeared. Jesus uh, told the Sadducees and the Pharisees, he said, because they asked him, you know, uh, well, how can you be the Messiah? Elijah hasn't come back. And he said, Elijah has come back. Uh, he was John the Baptist. And he didn't mean Elijah being reincarnated. 
He meant the same spirit and anointing, that same the spirit of faith, the anointing of faith that Elijah carried. There would be one that would cut, that would have that same mantle, and and then he would come right before Jesus showed up. Right, right. Um, so according to what Jesus said, these two witnesses cannot possibly be Elijah. Or one of them can't be Elijah. One of them can't be. Uh, many think that it's going to be Moses. Some think it's going to be John and Paul. Some people think that um, wh- that one of them's going to be Enoch, you know, because Enoch never died, um, and what have you. But it says, "I will give unto my two witnesses." It does not say, "I will send my two witnesses." He said, "I will give my two witnesses." So the indication is, is the two the two witnesses are already present on the earth at the time of the tribulation. This is also, they're in Jerusalem, and they're talking to, and God is trying to get the attention of the Jews. So um, these two witnesses, they absolutely have to be of Jewish faith. Absolutely have to be of Jewish faith. Because the Jews are not going to listen to anybody other than a Jew. They won't. Um, so more than likely, these two witnesses are two people of the 144,000 Jews. And these two witnesses, my opinion, and I'm not saying my opinion's right, but from what Pastor Mike and I read, it looks like more than likely this is going to be two of the 144,000. Um, and God is going to anoint them specifically for this task in Jerusalem is what it looks like to us. Um, And you'll notice it said that they'd have the ability to defend themselves. I want you to think about the two angels as Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember when the two angels came to Sodom and Gomorrah and and the people were so overcome with homosexuality, the men were so overcome with homosexuality that they actually were trying to uh, break down the door and grab the angels so that they could have sex with the angels. And remember, the angels had the power to strike them blind. Uh, I believe that those angels were a type and shadow of these witnesses. That's what, I, that's what it looks like to me. Because those angels operated very similarly to the way that these two uh, prophets or these two witnesses operate. And we know that God does everything as types and shadows. Uh, It says, and if any man will hurt them, fire will proceed out of their mouth. Um, I don't know that it will be actual fire. In fact, that seems a little weird. Well, and that's one of the reasons why they thought one of them might be Elijah, is because Elijah called down the fire, and and he had... So he had he had some some right. sway over fire, I guess, right. the way they look at it. Right. So um, it could be that the fire is the words of their mouth to convict them and pierce them to their heart. It could be that God that they could call literal fire down and fire plagues down. In fact, I think that they will be able to call actual plagues down. It actually says that. But think about. Um, Think about when God sent Moses and Aaron. These two prophets are also a type and shadow of Moses and Aaron. Remember, Moses and Aaron 
were sent on to Pharaoh, the leader of the place at the time. And remember, uh, Aaron and Pharaoh matched, or Aaron and Moses and Aaron matched Pharaoh's magicians, uh, sign and wonder for sign and wonder, to a point. But then it got to the point when uh, Pharaoh's magicians said, they've got more power. We can't, we can no longer match them. And remember, every time that God sent Moses to say, Pharaoh, let my people go. And every time Pharaoh said, no, remember a plague came down on the people. Every one of those plagues that God sent on Egypt was purposely to debunk the Egyptians' gods. The plague of the frogs, the Egyptians actually worshipped frogs. And so when the, when the plague of the frogs came in, that was God mocking. Because he's like, your God is the God of frogs, and why can't he deliver you? Your God is the God of, of uh, locusts, why can't your God deliver you? Your God is the God of this. Call on your God to deliver. And they would call on their God for a season. And then when they couldn't take it and their God didn't show, didn't do anything, they went to Moses and said, okay, our God is weak. Get your God to make this stop. So every time that a plague came, it was to debunk the nonsense belief of the Egyptians. So these plagues that will come during these three and a half years will, I believe, will be to debunk the ridiculous beliefs of the Jews and the Gentiles and the whole world. So we don't understand exactly what this looks like, um, but we know that people are, we, listen, people are worshiping trees today. They're worshiping the sun. They're worshiping the moon. They're worshiping dogs and cats. They want to be like them. So, Here's here's what I'm thinking. Ridiculousness. Just like Jesus said that John the Baptist, you know, had the same spirit. Right. I think these two witnesses will have the same spirit of both Elijah, who called down the fire and stopped it from raining for three years. Right. And uh, and Moses, who ha- was able to call down all these plagues. Or it could be the two spirits of Moses and Aaron, because they done been through this nonsense. So they'll have the same spirit or their same uh, um, anointing. anointing yes. Yeah, that same mantle. So we don't know exactly what this is going to look like, but we know that there will be two very strong voices in Jerusalem for three and a half years, and we do know that the power of God will be with them, and you don't want to make them mad. <laughs> right. You don't want to make them mad. Don't make them mad. <laughs> All right. Don't go against them. And, they, and it says they can do them as often as they will. So that's, that's, yeah, that's, I wouldn't want to mess with them. Yeah. All right. So verse 7. And when, they, and when they shall have finished their testimony after three and a half years, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Okay. So they've got three and a half years that they've got these prophets that are, Proclaiming the goodness of God. I'm going to tell you right now what they're doing is they're proclaiming the gospel. And when people come against them to stop them and with foolish arguments, they're going to give them signs, wonders. Now, think about this. Because you're saying, well, that's in Jerusalem. 
But think about the technology that's available today. They're going to try. I mean, you can try all you want to stop the, the news from going out, but it's going to go out. It's going to go out. Look at how many people. I mean, it's coming commonplace because people are saying, well, there's not going to be any power. There's not going to be any of this. It's becoming commonplace to be able to get um, cell phones, iPads, and things like that that you can charge solarly. And it's becoming commonplace that these things will connect to satellites. It's becoming very commonplace. Now, now some people uh, think that or aren't, aren't sure exactly when these two, two witnesses will come. But they're going to be there for three and a half years. And remember that the tribulation is, is divided into two periods, the first three and a half years and the second three and a half years. So, um, and so, so, it, so it's pretty easy to see that, that they – that they're in the first half of the tribulation because in, when, if, when the second half starts, Satan's going to come up. That's right. And he's going he's to inhabit the body of a man, and then he's going to make war on these two. That's right. And it says right here in verse 7, it says, And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast shall, the beast shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. Well, we know that Satan is going to be incarnate during the uh, second half. During the second half of the tribulation, so if he's just now coming out of the pit, how can they be? How can the witnesses be in the second half? Exactly. They can't be. They have to be in the first half. And then when Satan comes, it says that he shall make war against them, and shall overcome them and kill them. Now, isn't that interesting that all of a sudden? These two are going to be able to die. Oh, but let's read the rest of the chapter. Because when we read the rest of the chapter, we're going to see why God allows these two to be able to be killed. So, verse 8. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom in Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people... And the kindreds and tongues and the nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half. So the whole world's going to see them. You know, they, they've been causing havoc for three and a half years. Yep. And then they're going to, then this guy's going to waltz in and kill them. And they're going to, they're going to be dead for three and a half days. And the yep. whole world's going to see them. And it's, and, and you think, oh, well, you know, that's only going to last a day or so, right? No. It says, <clears throat> And they shall, and they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice. Verse, verse ten. Verse ten. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. So they're going to have a big party, like like a huge party, like a New Year's Everybody Eve on the party. Everybody going to have a party. Yeah. Because but, because here's the deal: these two witnesses. See, they see it as being tormented. These two witnesses are preaching the gospel of Christ to people that have rejected Christ. And they're preaching and they're preaching and they're preaching and they're preaching. And people are coming against them and they're going, oh, really? Plague. So they're going to see it as torment. Think about it this way. Think about what's happening in our nation. How many people, we've seen this in, our, in, in just the last few years. How many people have said, I'm sick and tired of you Christians putting all of your stuff out there in front of me. I'm sick and tired of being assaulted by your holidays. I'm sick and tired of being assaulted by your prayers in the restaurant. What? 
We're not doing anything to you. We're living a Christian life. Well, I'm tired of seeing it. I had family. Listen. I had, did we not, right? Did we not have a family member look at us and say, I'm tired of you shoving Christi- uh, of, of the world shoving Christianity down my throat in this country? They literally said that to me and mom and Michael. And we were like, we're just living our life. You want to go serve a God of God? Go ahead. We're not going to participate, but go ahead. So if people are like that today, imagine how hard and stiff-necked they're going to be in that day from two prophets prophesying well, Jesus. Not only, not, not only that, but, but, but everybody's going right. to know that the rapture happened That's and right. that people left. That's right. And, they're they're, gonna and so they're going to be they're going to be in fear and doubt that they were wrong. And they're going to and then these guys are going to be sitting there rubbing their faces in it for three and a half years. And then all of a sudden they get struck down and they can go, see, I told you we were right. Right. These guys, are, they're dead. But remember, Satan's trying to show himself as the Messiah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So these guys are dead. They've been struck down. By 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 our our king or or prophet or whatever they call him, you know, but they're gonna they're gonna say, hey, see, we were right and you were wrong. Yeah, they're gonna say our Messiah has come and they were and they're, wrong. And that they're Jesus gonna that they've been preaching is a false Jesus. That's and, exactly what and they're gonna do. they're gonna feel relieved that they were right and we were wrong. Yeah. Huh? Forty two what? Forty-two months, three and a half years. Three and a half years, right? Exactly. That's, right. That, yeah. that was mentioned in some of the yeah. stuff we read today yeah. too. Yeah. So again, I don't. I do not get into numerology, and I do not preach numerology because you can get into the ditch in numerology. But there is a truth to num- to numerology. Uh, my uncle used to say, I don't speak a language, I speak math. So the numbers of the Bible spoke to him. That, that was a witness to him. What's seven? Uh, no. What's seven times seven? 49. 49. So there is a truth to the numerology of the Bible. Absolutely. God, again, God, God had a lot to do with numbers, yes. Yeah. And then the Hebrew, the Hebrew language, the Hebrew language is all about numbers. All every letter, numbers. every letter in the Hebrew language has a number assigned to it. Yes. And then, so the, so if you add up all the letters in a name, it gives you a certain number. And right. for some reason, that makes sense to the Hebrews, but it doesn't to me. But you know. Well, think about it. If you if you can go through the Bible and you can count different things and you can see the same pattern over and over and over again based off of letters that were written over 1,500 years, how much do you know that's a sign and a wonder? And, and I'm, you know and I'm and sure that there's, there's a truth to it. I just don't know it. Right. Um, so let's get back. And I want you to remember, we are not pouring into the depths of, of Revelation. We're going through and we're getting a basic understanding. We're not going through and we're not tying this scripture to this scripture and this scripture to that scripture and... Because we'd be here for years, and you need to know more than the book of Revelation. We're getting a basic understanding of what this book says. So remember, they're having like a three-and-a-half-day party, and they're, they're, 
tele, you know, like New Year's Eve, it's going to be all televised and it's going to be amazing. And yeah, okay. Anyways, so after three. And a, check that out. They're sending. Let's read verse ten again. And they're sending each other gifts. Yep. So they they that dwelt upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry. And shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. So they tormented them for three and a half years, so they're going to have a three and a half day party. All right, so after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them. And they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. Now I'm going to give you another possibility here. Let me give you another possible scenario. In, in in our Bible, where it says the spirit of life from God entered them, our Bible in our margin, it connects this verse to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37 is where Ezekiel spoke to the dry bones. And life, muscle and tissue and life uh, came back on those muscles, came back on those bodies. And then God breathed life into them, and those dried bones in that mass grave came to attention and went to war on God's behalf. This word that they translated as three and a half days in other places of the Bible is translated three and a half years. So it's possible that the, that those uh, witnesses' bodies lay dead for three and a half days, and it's also possible that they lay dead for the second half of the three and a half years. Or of the seven years. Of the seven years. Okay? And I want you to notice, back up to verse 2. So, and, it, and if, if you've ever seen a body laying, laying basically on the ground for three years... There's nothing but bones there's, left, if there's even bones left, by by the end right, of that. Right. Right. They just have a party. I want you to go back to verse 2. It says, But the court, which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty-two months. So that's three and a half years. So during the three and a half years that the Gentiles are treading the holy city underfoot, it's entirely possible that part of that is God's witnesses are laying there dead. Because it doesn't tell us it doesn't tell us how the Antichrist kills these witnesses. It doesn't tell us if he crucifies them. Because remember, the Jews are all owed seven years of Old Testament time. So were they crucified? We don't know. Were they beaten and laid on the ground? We don't know. But what we do know is that they were left on display for three and a half days. And or that, possibly years. Or, and that word can also be translated years. The other thing that that word can mean is from dawn to dusk or from dusk to dawn. So during the entire period of darkness, they could lay on that ground, uh, on display. Now, that's very important when you read the rest of this to imagine. It's one thing to bring a body to life after three and a half days. Because rigor mortis and rot is just now setting in. 
really good in setting in. But after three and a half years, the only thing that's left is bones. Oh, my. Yeah, you stand those up, people are going to pay attention. Oh, my. Oh, my. Let's keep reading. All right. So. Verse 11. 11. Okay. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them. And they stood upon their feet. And great fear fell upon them which saw them. How much do you know? Oh, wait, wait. It's going to be the, it's going to be the, the night of the living dead. Right? right. How much do you know? How much do you know? Rather, they're dead bodies or dead bones. Either way, if you see it, it's going to freak you out. You are going to have a problem either way. All right. Verse 12. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up into heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. So first they come back to life, and then off to heaven in a cloud. How much you know? That's, how much you know? That's a type and shadow of what happened to Jesus. And it says their enemies will see them. They went into the grave. Jesus and and pretty the much grave? the whole earth was having a party after they died. So who's their enemies? The whole earth. And here's the deal. Gentiles, you give them a chance, they'll party for three and a half years. Think about it. The government's taking care of me. Everything's good. Man, all I have to do is party. That's what they want to do. I know, right? (laughs) Oh, boy. Holy Ghost. All right. Verse 13. And I'm sorry, because some people will say, well, ain't nobody going to want to party for three and a half years. Do you know the only reason people stop partying is because they're out of money? Yeah, look at quarantine. There are people partying everywhere. And there's people that still don't want it to be over. People still ain't going back to work. They're still riding the system. Come on. And in that day, and in that day, the government will be charging your money. They're going to be in charge of your money. It's all going to be right here or right here. You're going to get scanned, and they're going to go, oh, you like like our current Messiah? Yeah, we'll put some money in your bank. Oh, you're a Christian? Nothing. It'll happen. It's going to happen. We ain't going to be here. We're not going to be here. I'm living every day. Jesus, I'm going with you. Jesus, you say no? Okay, buddy, because I'm going. All right. Verse 13. And the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain of men 7,000. Now, well, I thought people couldn't die. So glad you said that. There's a little notation in our Bible. And I went and I looked at it, and I was like, there's a little notation in our Bible. Right, right, where it says... uh, uh, where slain were men. slain of men. It's, it says the, uh, names of men. Right, it says Greek names of men. And I went, wait, what? So I got out my concordance, and I went to looking. Wait, what does this mean? Wait, that word slain in the Greek language means, it could mean literal death, or it could mean deprived of eternally life and doomed for all for doomed to hell for all of eternity that's that word that's what that word slain means but but in this particular situation they apparently added a couple of consonants to that word which changed its meaning slightly it means slain name slain 
name. And so it means the slain name of men. What is slain name of men? Nope, different word. The same word, but there's a there's a connecting word with it. Okay? So if it, the name of men, where are our names recorded? In the Lamb's Book of Life. The Lamb's Book of Life. So if the names are slain, where were they slain from? They're blotted out. So what this says, now that word earthquake is another very interesting word. That word earthquake can mean a literal earthquake, but it can also mean a shaking, a commotion. And when you go to the root of this word earthquake, when you go to the root word that this word comes from, it means to cause such commotion that people are overwhelmed with fear. So this is a spirit. So the, the indication here is there's going to be such a spiritual shaking, such a spiritual quaking that 7,000 men, the name of 7,000 men, human beings, will be marked out of the Lamb's Book of Life so, at this point. So in the Thayer's definition, it literally says to shake, or for the root word, it says to shake, agitate, cause to tremble of men to be thrown into a tremor, to quake for fear, metaphorically to agitate the mind. So it doesn't, and, 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 the, and if you go back to the word before that, it's, it, uh, the definition, uh, the word is seismos, and it means a shaking, a commotion, a tempest, which is a great storm, or an earthquake. So there's a, a lot that it can be a lot of yes. meanings put into this word. It doesn't necessarily have to be an earthquake. Right. It does not have to be a physical earthquake. Uh, let me give you that. Verse 13. Uh-huh. That's where I was. <laughs> okay. Well, look which at that one, word which slain. One? slain. The word slain is, up, up, yeah, that yeah. word. This uh, word. That word. Uh, Apoc. Apoctino, which means to kill in any way, whatever, to destroy or to allow to perish. It also means metaphorically to extinguish or abolish, specifically to inflict mortal death or to deprive of spiritual life and procure eternal misery in hell. Now, that word is in combination with the word onama. O-N-O-M-A, and that word literally means the name of a person. So literally it's to slay their name. To slay their name. So this earthquake, now obviously there's a physical quake because the walls of the city fall. But there's also a spiritual quaking. I mean, think on. about it. You just saw two guys possibly raise up after three and a half years laying in the street. Or, or, or nailed days, to a tree, or however they were killed. But you just saw on national TV bones come back to life. That's gonna, it's gonna shake you. That's gonna shake people. Yeah. yeah, and then they ascended up. Now that should shake most people. That would shake me up. <laughs> that should shake most people into the arms of Christ. 
But it says that 7,000 people were shaken into the arms of Satan. That's what it says. Yeah, 7,000 seems like a lot, but when you consider the population of the earth today, 7,000 is really not that much. Right. At one time, yes. Okay, and we know we know a bunch of us are going out of here. We know a bunch of us are going to get, a bunch of those that remain are going to get saved. But we also see that a bunch are not going to get saved. All right. All right, so, and that's, okay, so we didn't, we didn't finish 13. Okay, so, and the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell, and in the earthquake were slain of men 7,000. Now, that's interesting. It says a tenth part of the city fell. It could be a tenth, it could be a tenth of who was in the city were 7,000 people. That could be. It could be that, too. We yeah. don't know. Again, we won't know until this occurs. And we won't be here. And we're, and we're going to be in heaven praying. All right. And the remnant and the remnant were affrightened and gave glory to the God of heaven. So glory to God. So that means a whole lot of Jerusalem's going to get saved. Yes. I mean, That's it, the good news. especially if you consider a tenth. So if there's all, if if a tenth of the people that go to hell, that means that close to ninety percent, close to six, a little over sixty thousand are going to go to heaven. Won't that be a glorious and wonderful thing? Won't that be a glorious and wonderful thing? So where this but is personally, a warning, I think there'll be more than that in the I city. Think so. <laughs> I think so. Well, we don't know how many are going and how many are staying and how many are fleeing the city. We don't know. Right. But isn't this amazing? So these things are happening and we're looking at what, oh, the devil's doing this, the devil's doing this, the devil's doing this. And God says, I'm going to do one work. I'm going to raise my two witnesses and 90% of the people in the city are going to get saved. Isn't that awesome? Jesus is going to do one work. And the majority of that city is going to get saved. Yep. Man. All right. I kind of want to, I want to watch that from the, from the heavens. I don't want to be on the earth and watch it. So you're going to be. I want to be in heaven and I want to go, wait, Jesus, I want to watch this. So you're going to be like Truman. Yeah. Truman, our dog, he loves to watch reality TV. He stares out the, the, The the, the window all day long. All day. So she's going to be up in heaven, staring out uh, out through the clouds all day long. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be like, come on, God, did I get it close? Did I get it right? Come on, God. <laughs> Let's keep going. All right, so verse 14. Verse 14, the second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. See, remember we were talking, remember the angels were trumpeting, and there were the seven woes. So we know that this is happening right, three woes. at the same time. Seven well, these trumpets. are the last three. <laughs> we know that this is happening at the same time that what was going on in chapter 9 is going on in Jerusalem. At the same time. All right. Verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord Woo! and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. The last woe is Jesus comes. And he rules all of the kingdoms of the world. And this is also why we think it might be three and a half years. Because yes, because the bodies are raised up, people get saved, the, the, the city's shaken, the, the people get sent to hell or to heaven, or, or, or well, their, their spirits are sent to hell or it heaven. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. 
It just says that it doesn't that say what. It, it says that their name was written out of the book. It doesn't say that anybody goes to heaven or hell at this point. Okay. So, but that, but that's the eventual what's going to happen. Eventually. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> but not when Jesus comes back. All right. All right. So, and then it it goes right into the next angel where where he says he says and then and then Christ Christ is coming back. Right. So Christ comes back and notice what it says. Notice what it says. It says that Christ rules the nations. Christ is coming back. And notice that it said that this is a woe. This is a woe. This is a warning. Christ comes back and, and, and Christ is going to be the ruler of the world. When Christ comes back and he's the ruler of the world, those of us that go up in the rapture, we're coming back with him. And we're going to be his governors, and we're going to be his princes, and we're going to have a ruling staff of iron, just like Jesus. And he's going to say, Sue, that's your area. James, that's your area. Miss Judy, that's your area. Jackie, you're over this city. Derek, you're over this city. Zach, you're over this country. We're all going to have different levels, but we're going to rule but we're going to rule with an iron staff. This living in the gray world isn't going to float anymore. It's going to be this is the law and this is the punishment. There will no be there will be no more black and there will be no more gray. It'll be this is the law, this is the punishment. It'll be that simple. Why? Because God, because Jesus is a righteous judge. He is a righteous judge. And at this point in time, all those people that went through the uh, seven years of tribulation, they're still alive. But they've made their choices. However, the ones that have chosen Satan will have an opportunity to still receive Jesus. Because they're going to be alive with Jesus ruling for a thousand years. And Satan's not going to be tormenting them. There's not going to be any issues because Satan's going to be in the ground. He's going to be, he's going to be in the pit. And even during that thousand years, I'm going to show it to you as we go through here. And even in that thousand years, people will still, in the perfection of Christ, will still reject Christ because, because they're going to do evil works and Christ is going to say, this is the penalty. And they're going to say, I don't like your penalty, and they'll reject him. They'll reject him. But notice, how do I, what do you mean? Because look at verse 15. It says, and the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, the, kingdom, the kingdoms of the world are become the kingdoms of the Lord. So Christ is coming to the earth, and he's going to rule. And of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Let's keep going. And the four and twenty elders, which sat before God on their seats, remember the throne room, right. fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and has reigned. Look at this next sentence. Look and, at it. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come. And the time of the dead 
that they should be judged. So he's going to be ruling, and the nations are going to be angry, and then there's going to come the time of judgment. And then's going to come the time of judgment. And that thou shouldst give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, that's us, that's right. and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldst destroy them which destroy the earth. That's when those that have made a decision for Satan will go into hell. That's when there will be the judgment seat of Christ. And then there will be the judgment seat, uh, the white throne judgment, and that's when this whole thing will be handed over. There will be no more Satan. There will be no more sin. There will be no more nothing because the judgment seat. So the judgment seat does not happen until after the millennial reign of Christ, according to what we see. Because notice he said he's going to be ruling the nations. And then, and it says, verse 18, and the nations were angry. Why were they angry? Because Jesus was ruling over them. That's why they were angry. And thy wrath is come. So he's going to give the nations. How much you know, God's patience is very long. God's mercy and his, his mercy and his grace are long-suffering. God is very willing to wait. So you have to understand, these people that choose to reject God, God gave them every opportunity. He's given them every opportunity to change their mind. Every opportunity. All right. Verse Oh, but we can't look. We can't forget the, the goodness in verse 18. In verse 18, when judgment falls, after judgment falls, when judgment falls, what's it say? It says, and they should be judged, and they, and, and that thou shouldest give, what? Reward. Reward to who? Thy servants. The servants. The servants. You want your reward. You want your reward. No, we don't serve Jesus because of the reward. We serve Jesus because we know that we need him. But we but we, oh, praise God. But we know because we're serving him, we're not serving him for no reason. We're serving him because he loves us, and we're serving him knowing that in the end, there is a reward. Because sometimes, let's just be honest. Everybody can say, well, I'm not doing it for the reward. But sometimes, let's just be honest. This Christian walk is hard. And there are days, I'll get you, there are days that the only thing that keeps you going, at least for me, there are days the only thing that keeps me going is I want the reward of well done, good and faithful servant. I want the reward of the robes of righteousness. I want the soul winner's crown. I want big jewels in my crown. I want my room in the mansion or my own mansion. I want the goodness of God. I don't want to be a janitor in heaven. I've already been a janitor in the house of God. And I loved my time. But I've been elevated now. And now I want my crown. So I can take my crown and lay it at the master's feet. Let's face it. There are days we do this simply because we want the reward. 
So that word reward in, in the Greek is mythos, mythos, almost like mythos. Any Jewish person ever listens to our things, they're going to be like they're butchering our language. Right, I'm sure. So mythos, and it says, uh, the Thayer's definition says, dues paid for work, wages higher. Number two, reward used of the fruit naturally resulting from toils and endeavors. And then A, it says in both sense, in both senses, rewards and punishments. Yes. So you're going to be rewarded, and it's either going to be good or bad. Yeah. You want your reward. You don't want your punishment. What is the reward for those that reject Christ? Not a good thing. There are. The Bible is very clear that there are levels of damnation. Very clear. If you're going to go... Get, you want you want the you want the lowest level of damnation, not the highest. <laughs> Those that work, uh, let me assure you, let me assure you. Right, I know. I was yeah, right. Same thing. I know. Same thing. Right. Let me assure you, you who lived an okay life but rejected God, and you know, let's face it, you sinned. You know, you don't want to be punished on the same level as, let's say, Hitler. God's a fair judge. Or, or Jeffrey Dahmer. Right. Fair judge. Fair judge. God's a fair judge. Okay, now we can finish. Okay. Last verse. Yay. All right. I don't know why I said yay. But anyways. And the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and earthquake and great hail. Once the judgment's done, heaven, that's when the new earth, that's when, that's when the new heaven and the new earth come together and we have our eternity. We have our new heaven, we have our new earth. It's going to be beautiful, it's going to be gorgeous, it's going to be wonderful, and we want it. And apparently heaven's going to celebrate with fireworks. That's right. Lightnings and voices and thunderings and earthquake and great hail. That's right. <laughs> that's right. It's going to be wonderful, and we want it. And we want it. So, though it's going to be very rough for those going through the tribulation, there is hope for them. There is hope for them. Our job with this information is to tell people, listen, I've read the book. You don't want to be here. Well, yes. This is, this is more than we can wrap our heads around very easily. But once you reach that point where nobody can die, then it all plays out on the earth until Judgment Day. It's possible. Is it possible you're wrong? Yep. Is it possible that we that 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 only those that get raptured get glorified bodies? It's possible, but that's not how the scriptures read. That's not how they read. All I can do is present to you what the Bible says. You have to take it. You have to judge it. You have to discern it for yourself. There's a lot of theologians out there. I'm telling you, I've been studying this, and there's been days I put my hands in my head, and I said, Lord, now I understand why some people believe that we're living in the tribulation today. Lord, now I understand why some people believe that we're going to go through the tribulation, and then Christ is going to call away the church. I, I, I have, but then the Lord leads me to another scripture, and I go, oh, 
Oh, yeah, that makes it so much clearer. So you have to put it all together over time. And you've got to be at a level with God that God can reveal it to you. Because I'm going to tell you, I've read Revelations multiple times. And when the first time I read it, I read it just like you read it. Wow, there's going to be scorpions coming out of the earth. This is not cool. I don't know what these creatures are going to look like, but I don't want to be here for this. Right, and they're going to torment me for five months. And they're going to torment me for five months. This is not cool. Yeah, I've read it exactly like I've read it exactly like every other person. But the more I get to know God, the more I get to understand the Spirit, the more I get to understand that we have to look at things from from God's viewpoint instead of man's viewpoint, it begins to change your understanding. Right? I have nothing to do. All right. Tithes and offerings. Yes. Glory to God. Uh, Miss Judy, what time are y'all rolling out in the morning? Oh, Lord. Dear Lord in heaven. Unless the Holy Ghost gets me up that early, I'm just gonna, we're just going to pray over you right now. <laughs> it's possible. It's happened before. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, Miss Judy and Mike are setting off to their new home. And, Father, we just ask that you give them traveling mercies. Yes. Father, we ask that you provide provision for them all the way there all the way getting settled, and even into their days, months, and years ahead. Yes. Father, we ask for provision upon them. Father, we know and we understand this move. We know that it's not your perfect plan for Miss Judy, but it is uh, the direction um, that Mike has chosen. And so, Father, because Judy is your faithful servant, Father, we thank you that you're going to bless her. You're going to bless Mike. Father, We thank you that you've got a pastor there that's going to just be intrusive on a level that Mike can handle. And, Father, we thank you that there will be witnesses and that he'll see that though he can run, he cannot hide from the goodness of you. And, Father, we give you all the glory. And, Lord, and we ask honor. that you lead them to the church that you would have them yes, to be. Yes, Father. The Lord, the, 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 the church that has their provision and that has their pastor, that they will hear the voice and heed the voice and recognize the voice of, Lord, in Jesus' yes, name. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you that Mike continues to show your ever-loving love through Miss Judy, that he continues to see it that he continues to know it, that he can, Father, that he just sees Jesus in her. And, Father, we give you all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. We pray over our tithes and our offerings. You want to do that? Sure. Thank you, Lord, uh, we thank you for this opportunity to give into your kingdom. We give with a joyous heart because you have given so much for us. You have made a way for us to make it through all the way to the end. And, Lord, we look forward to the day. Lord, we, we, we give with a generous heart because we want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. We give, we give with a joyous heart because of all that you provided for us and all you've done for us. Lord, we just know that you love us and we want to give into your kingdom and show our love back to you. Lord, we know that it's not much, but we give, we give generously and we give uh, in hopes that your work will be done here on earth. We thank you, Lord. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. We are forewarned and forearmed, and we will stand against you with our dying breath, Lord. 
Thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen and amen. Angels, go cause the finances to come. Satan, release it. Let it go in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that the word is working and your word is forever true. Amen and amen. You can serve the